Welcome to the Cycling Cicerone Brewer Interview Podcast. Sounds like maybe this is going to become a real thing. Each week I get to chat with a brewer about their beer, their breweries, and the industry, and maybe also explore a little bit of beer history in the making. This week I'm at Figurehead Brewing in the Magnolia neighborhood of Seattle, chatting with one of the three founders, Bob Monroe. Figurehead is a young brewery right on the Ship Canal Trail, which is a great bike trail that connects it to several other nearby breweries. They specialize in slightly more obscure beers, including many British and other European styles. You join us in the brewery, which is just a small chamber right behind the tap room, and I'll let Bob take it from here. You're Bob. I'm, I'm Andrew. Nice to meet you, Bob. Um, and this is Figurehead Brewery. So tell us what we're looking at here. Uh, so we got a seven-barrel brew house. Um, We've got two, our mash tun and cow both are old milk tanks yeah. in Wisconsin that have been repurposed for brewing. So okay. I can kind of tell that it sort of does have that uh, well-worn look, that kind of yeah. brushed metal you don't see very often in, uh, yeah. in, I guess, newer equipment or maybe just specifically for brewing. So. Yeah, they definitely they have their own little quirks that make it a little bit more challenging, but yeah. I guess it's a trade-off for what we paid for them. Yeah. Um, That's actually kind of funny that you would have... Um, like an old milk thing because I what I heard was that sort of when brewing was starting to get really big and all these craft breweries were opening up then that's when it was really cool to sort of buy you know old milk stuff and sort of piecemeal build your brewery uh, and these days though and you're a new brewery so this kind of counts as these days it's almost it's cheaper to get brand new stuff because it's how hard it is to find used stuff maybe not yeah, cheaper but basically the, use, the same level the used market's really tough so actually yeah. our, the first three fermenters we got there are new yeah, um, just because it's so tough to find used. But we have added a fourth that is used. Um, okay. So we've got four fermenters right now. Okay. Uh, we've got a pump for two more, so. There you go. We will expand sometime in the near future, and then we'll be kind of maxed out in this space. Yeah. Okay. So this is the whole place. There's nothing else back there. That's a, that's just an office, maybe. Uh, that's storage for storage. our malt and stuff. Okay. So. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's pretty tight, but. Okay. We make do. So when you're actually brewing, I guess this place becomes a bit of a tripping hazard. There's probably all kinds of hoses and everything. You guys cleaned up now. Yeah. Um, and I guess you probably don't brew very often with like the place open. Uh, yeah, we try to come in early, brew in the mornings. Um, but right now we're brewing <clears throat> about every other week. Okay. You do like one 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 batch every other week. Yeah. Um, during okay. the winter, it's been a little bit slow. Yeah. Um, once we get to summer and it picks up a little bit, we'll brew about once a week. Okay. Um, are you more or less at, I mean, I guess this question might be kind of dumb, I guess, because we just sort of said it, but yeah, I guess you're more or less at capacity, because you said you want to add a couple new things in, but if you're... Um, uh, so, so we're not actually putting out as much as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so some of the beers sit in the fermenters. I mean, we could kick them off, um, but we let them sit in the fermenters, yeah. condition in the fermenters, so yeah. we don't need the tank mm-hmm. right away. Um, so we actually do have some extra capacity, like I said, during the summer, we brew about twice as much as we do now in the yeah. same fermenters. Okay, cool. Um, would you find that that means you're sort of pumping out, like, is giving the beer the extra time you like in the fermenter kind of your ideal? Like, do you wish you had a bigger brewery so you could age it more? Like, are you, do you think you're making that perfect beer in the summer when you're kind of pump churning it as fast as you can? Well, so, so what we would do in the summer is if we need the tank, we'll just keg off mm-hmm. and let it condition in the kegs in the walk-in. Okay. So it gets conditioned either way. Yeah. It just depends on where. Okay. Because right now our walk-in is pretty full. Yeah. Um, so we kind of keg it off as soon as we free up some space in there. Okay. 
Um, would you say you do most of your business in the tap room here, or do you have a bunch yeah. of other bars and stuff? No, we do most of our business out of the tap room right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in. We've been in probably about forty bars or restaurants. Okay. Um, so, but that's one area definitely that we're focusing on trying to grow. Yeah. Okay. Because we're you know our tap room is somewhat small, and so we're kind of we're going to be capped out there pretty quick. So yeah. distribution is probably where we need to grow. Yeah. So you're saying you've got a little space here to expand, and then once you outgrow that, do you plan like do you plan on outgrowing that? What's your what's your growth plan I mean, looking like? You get we, we hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of our long term vision would be to open a larger brewery with a restaurant, mm. kind of like a brew pub. Yeah. Um, okay. Those but, are not very common in Seattle, like not around this area, not super popular. Right. Yeah. And I, I, we're just trying. We're trying to focus really on the neighborhood, and yeah. you know, we got a lot of local Magnolia people that are regulars, which is great. Yeah. And so, so staying kind of local, focusing on the community, and I think a brew pub with a restaurant would be perfect for that type of thing. And plus, it's so difficult now getting on shelves and getting on yeah. taps. Yeah. Um, that maximizing your beer you're selling and on premise is really the way to go. Yeah. That's what I've. I really. I'm surprised whenever I see like a good selection of you know the local breweries at any bar or anything. And drinking a brewery is always the way that I prefer to go anyway. So it's like you know it's always nice to be able to expand. But yeah. I don't know, this this is the way I like to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah cool. Um, okay. So let's see. So you've got one other partner. Um, I forget. Two other partners. Two other partners. Yeah. Okay. What are their names? Uh, they're both named Jesse. Nice. Which either makes it simple or confusing. Uh huh. <laughs> um, Spelled so, the same way. Yeah. J E S S E, yeah, classic. Um, so, so one of them has been my neighbor for, I guess, about nine years now. Okay. Um, and we we're both homebrewers for a long time, so we started homebrewing together mm. and just talking about opening a brewery. And I've been dreaming about this for, you know, more than a decade now. Yeah. Um, but so we talked about it for a long time and decided, you know, let's let's do it together because he has kind of differing skills in terms of mm-hmm. you know he did a lot of the welding and oh, okay. construction and fabricating mm-hmm. uh, which is really that's awesome. a useful skill to have yeah for sure um, and then we have another Jesse um, that's our CFO does a lot of the money side okay and he's a buddy that I met in grad school gotcha so the three of us okay which Jesse was the first Jesse that you met um, I guess I would have met my neighbor first okay yeah. cool before I went to grad school. Yeah. All right. Oh, so you're from like this, like area. You're from this area. You're from no, no, I, no. I'm from Illinois oh, originally, okay. but I've lived in Seattle for 14 years. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, how old are you? <laughs> is, is that on the? That wasn't on the list of questions. Doesn't need to be on there. <laughs> I can tell uh, you that. I guess I'm 36. Some fast thinking. <laughs> <laughs> this is some tough math. Okay, yeah, I know, that was a weird question. Moving on, we started talking about competition with other breweries and trying to get figurehead beers into local bars and stuff like that. So what do you say about the um, about like the local market and stuff? You're talking about how hard it is to kind of get on the taps. Are you, does this feel competitive to you? Like like really competitive? Are you cutthroat with these other breweries? Or are you trying to, like, I, I everyone I talk to always says they're really great friends yeah. with local brewers and like, you know, the, their brewing buddies, our neighbors. Yeah, uh, it's... <laughs> Not really a competition at all, really. Yeah. At least it hasn't been for us yet. Um, yeah, we've gotten a ton of help from you know Craig over at Rooftop is great, mm-hmm. and Andy over Urban Family. Mm-hmm. Like we borrow equipment from them all the time. And yeah, we borrowed hoses from them when we first got up and running. So it's it's they've been nothing but 
helpful to us. So that's really never even entered our thinking, which is, yeah. I mean, that's one of the, the draws to getting into the business is that community of yeah. brewers that help each other and mm-hmm. it's, it's really great. Okay. Uh, that's good. So let's see, let's talk a little bit more about the history. So you met Jesse and Jesse and you pulled us all together and then this place has only been open for two years, right? Or not even that. Uh, yeah, about a year and a half now. Okay. Uh, we looked for a space for about two and a half years. Yeah. And just couldn't find something that would work. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Went through three different real estate agents. And, but we finally found this space and it seemed perfect. And so we moved into here a little over two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took the space. And it took us about nine months or so to get open. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, that seems fast. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, yeah, I think we did pretty well getting the doors open. Um, a lot of it was just permitting and just the construction build out in terms of permitting with the city and things. That yeah. was a big part of it. Yeah, that's the tricky part of here. Okay. Um, was there anything in particular that drew you to uh, like the Magnolia neighborhood? I guess that's what you call this zone here in this area. I'm always trying to, I always call it the Ship Canal Trail area. Yeah. Well, so, so we both, Jesse and I live in Ballard. Mm. Um, so we're hoping to stay kind of close. Like we would have even opened in Ballard if yeah. we had found a space. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we looked for two and a half years. So it was more we, the space that we found. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that we necessarily picked this neighborhood. Yeah. But we're really happy that we that we found this yeah. this neighborhood in this area. I think it's a great spot. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a little bit untapped. There's only one other brewery yeah. um, in Magnolia proper. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Rooftop. And, Holy Mountain a little bit further, but mm-hmm. so it's a little bit untapped market. So, yeah. and you know, so Jesse works for the, the ferries, so he's been in the maritime industry his whole life. So oh, he has okay. kind of a maritime background. Uh, and we're right across the street from Fisherman's Terminal. Yeah. So the name Figurehead kind of. So you picked the name Figurehead after you got a spot, or yeah. was yeah, Jesse we, we actually set on that? Okay. Well, I mean, over the course of two and a half years, we went through several names and yeah. <laughs> ideas. Um, but it came to signing the lease on this space, mm-hmm. and you have to put your business name on the lease. And you're so like, like, oh well. crap, we need a name. <laughs> so yeah, we came up with it kind of the 11th hour, but okay. we're, we're pretty happy with it. Yeah, it's a great name. You've got some really sick art up there. Like that that figurehead thing you've got is just, I don't, I'll have to go look at it and describe it to anyone yeah. who's listening, yeah. but it's like really cool. Yeah, we, we, we try not to be too themey in yeah. here, but we definitely have some maritime artifacts. Yeah, and, you like, could kind of go the, you're sort of, for the nautical theme, competing with the Jolly Roger tap room up yeah, there. Yeah, we don't quite go to that extreme, yeah. but you know, we've got a porthole in our walk-in, so yeah. we can peek in there and yeah. see our kegs and stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so what kind of beer do you like to brew? And I sort of know, you know, I've read the description on your website, and I see mm-hmm. what the menu you have, and you sort of, you know, you like to showcase all the ingredients, is sure. what your site says, and yeah, I think that's sure. a pretty great way to go. So how did you sort of settle on that? Like. What, what you're thinking about your types of beer you brew and stuff like that. So I did a, a long distance brewing program, American mm-hmm. Brewers Guild, and there was an instructor as part of that program that he was talking more specifically about malt, mm-hmm. but he was talking about the fact that you should be able to taste everything that goes into the beer. Yeah. So people come up with these crazy malt pills that have 20 different malts and it's a pinch of this and a pinch of that. Yeah. But if you can't taste it, why, why mm-hmm. do that, right? So to me, it's the same way with all the ingredients, right? So to me, why use a yeast, which is one of the most important ingredients in beer, yeah. and not have that yeast contribute anything? Mm-hmm. So we use uh, our main strains, an English strain, mm-hmm. um, which gives you kind of that fruity kind of fermentation character. 
and then we use a Belgian strain. So those are kind of our two main styles, are English and Belgian. Mm -hmm. Again, styles that have contribution from all all the ingredients, right? Um, and then we also do some lagers and some saisons as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we really focus on really easy drinking, sessionable, balanced, mm -hmm. lower ABV, you know, beers that you can drink every day and have yeah. a couple of them and have them with meals and really those kind of daily drinkers. I've come around a couple of times and seen some real doozies, like some like 12% or something. Like you guys have been known to make a <laughs> yeah. couple of strong ones. Yeah, and actually if you look at our tap list right now, it's it's a little bit of an oddity. We've got a few bigger beers. Uh, it, kind of a winter thing too. Yeah, of course. Um, so we make a Imperial Milk Stout once a year in the winter. Mm -hmm. We've got a Belgian Dark Strong on right now, which is pretty big. That's right. The Imperial Milk Stout was the one I was remembering. I came yeah. out a couple months ago and had that one and it was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean we do make some bigger beers, but mm -hmm. they're that the, the higher alcohol is kind of critical to those styles. Mm -hmm. We don't just make a high ABV just to make of a high course. ABV, right? Yeah. So, so most of our IPAs are going to be five and a half to six and a half. You're not going to see a eight percent IPA. Yeah. Right. So, just not something we typically brew. Yeah, that's good. I'm looking at your uh, your T-shirt you have back here, which is pretty great. It says "Figurehead Brewing Beer You Can Drink the Shit Out of" since 2016. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Yeah, it's kind of our unofficial official motto. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of that kind of sums up. Yeah. Like what we're trying to do. I like that a lot. After talking about the t-shirt, I glanced around the brewery and my eyes fell on their three fermenters, which each have a painted sign above them uh, with really strange names. So of course I'd ask them about that. All right, so these are the names of your uh, fermenters up here. Valentine's Share, Lachlan, Lachlan's College Fund, and Un Petico. So can you... A taco. Oh, okay. Because it's a crate of beer in Colombia. Oh. So, so this is from our Kickstarter before okay. we opened. Um, we kind of auctioned off the rights to name our fermenters. So instead of just being numbered, mm -hmm. they actually have names. Yeah. So that's the, the people that, that purchased those, the naming rights. Oh, okay. name them whatever they wanted. So that's funny. I got a buddy who lives in Colombia. I guess that's oh. some big thing in Colombia. That's a pretty good one. Who made yeah. the signs? Sorry, yeah, Jesse. Yeah? Yeah, Jesse hand-painted. Nice. All those and basically all the signs in here hand painted. So. Okay. Oh. Oh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> These are actually pretty nice. I. Yeah. I had never. Never. I wouldn't consider yeah. that you hadn't gotten some design company yeah. to make yeah. those. That's cool. Way to go, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, Again, those competing skills. Yeah. Really absolutely. Okay. Well, so Jesse's got all these skills. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I do most of the business side. Um, mm. And then I also develop all the recipes, and okay. I brew maybe two thirds at the time. Okay. And then Jesse brews the other third. All right. But yeah, all the day to day kind of business stuff. Mm -hmm. So let's see. So you've got basically you three, uh, you and Jesse A do a lot of the brewing, do all the mm -hmm. brewing. Mm -hmm. So you don't have another brewer that you hire. Uh, we've, we've got we've got two guys that work kind of part time back here to help mm -hmm. wash kegs and clean vessels and yeah. do some of that kind of stuff. Okay. What's the total uh, head Because we Because we all have day jobs still. Oh, right. So that makes it kind of challenging. So oh, okay. There's, there's nobody that works here that doesn't have another job. Gotcha. What's your day uh, job, if I can ask? I work for a aerospace, a large aerospace company. Oh, I can. Let me, okay, I yeah. can guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, okay, and then I, yeah, and so the other two Jesse's also have something else that yeah, they're so, working so on. Yeah, so it's the three owners, and then we have six like part-time employees. Okay, um, cool. A few bartenders, a couple guys that work back here in the mm-hmm. house, and then one guy that works part-time as a sales rep. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's pretty great. That's like a real just small. I don't know, local home yeah. business. Yeah. It just is so cool. Creating jobs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's the dream though, right? Yeah. I, I, I bet you one day when you were younger said, if I just create a couple of jobs, that'd be so dope. Like, yeah. That'd be just the one yeah. thing I had to do. That's like kind of, right? That's got to be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, of course, when we first opened, it was basically Jesse and I and my wife and our sister-in-law and a cousin and yeah. we basically doing everything. Like we'd come in and bartend and basically do everything back here. Yeah. So it's gotten to the point now where we've got a few people on payroll that kind of lessens the load on us, especially mm-hmm. since we all have day jobs still. Yeah. So. Is the plan to grow the brewery so you can quit your job? Yeah, I mean, that would be the goal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the timing is on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, without needing to get any into any specifics, I mean, like, is this the kind of thing where if you really wanted to quit your job right now and just start cutting all the corners, pinching the pennies, or is this, is this, Basically, the stage that it's at right now is not quite profitable enough for you to for you to kind of pull it off. Yeah, I mean, I mean to answer that, I can. <laughs> I mean, either way, it's going to be a big pay cut. <laughs> but yeah, it's not at a point right now where it would pay my lease or pay my mortgage. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's sort of the uh, that's the sentiment that I've heard a lot, um, which is. I don't know, which is kind of funny if I'm trying to encourage, I don't know if I'm trying to encourage people to open breweries with this <laughs> podcast or discourage them, but uh, yeah. Well, I, it's, it's good for people to know like what they're getting in for. Yeah, so. yeah I suppose that's the ideal. Um, let's see. Okay, do you have any um, other cool events coming up? Anything you want to plug real quick? Uh, we're doing Cast Fest on March 24th yeah. down at Seattle Center. Okay. Um, you can see a couple of fillers right there. Oh, look at that. Are those full already? Yep. So they're just they're conditioning down there. Yeah, so that's a brown with coffee. Ooh. Um, we got some coffee specially roasted for us by Cafe Passionato. Oh, nice. To go in there. And then that's the same brown with coffee and peanut butter. Oh, I can see that. Butter and and, and PB. Yeah. Right, that's the good stuff. <laughs> I, uh, I got a couple of friends who be who are will come and drink that for okay. sure. All right. That peanut butter coffee. And is then good. we got um, we brewed a best bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a pretty traditional cask, just with a dry hop in it. Great. And then we got uh, we brewed an IPA uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to do a cask with Earl Grey tea. Uh, ah. we've, we've done that here in the tap room before, and it was pretty popular. So, so All we'll right. have that at Cask Fest. Sweet. Um, are you? Do you have lots of experience doing cask beers? Is this one you're kind of? Is this a crapshoot? Are you I hoping mean, it'll turn well, out well? Or? I mean, it's always kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really know until you tap it. Yeah. Especially these ones are. You know, we've never done coffee and peanut butter, so yeah, that's to get the right ratio and stuff can be kind of challenging. Yeah, um, but we've been we we try to do a cask about every other week mm-hmm. um, here in the tap room. Okay, um, we call it Firkin Friday. Ah, uh, okay. So, I've, I've, now that you say it, I've heard that or read yeah. that, and or maybe even made it here for that <laughs> once. <laughs> yeah. So 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 we've been you know experimenting with it quite a bit over the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, since we make you know very traditional English styles as well. Mm. We really wanted to have cask yeah. to be a pretty regular thing. So. Okay. So you mentioned that you 
make a bunch of British styles because you like to showcase the ingredients. Is there maybe another reason you sort of got into that? Like if I were to open a brewery, I'd brew German styles probably because I'm half German. Bieber's a German last name, not a, uh, not a Canadian one like <laughs> okay. everyone thinks. Uh, but I don't know, are you especially, like, especially keen on uh, British beers and Belgian beers and stuff like that for any particular reason? Other than it's, they're kind of neat? Other than they're really tasty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I did a couple trips to London um, way back when, um, and just kind of fell in love with the beer culture there yeah. and the pub culture mm-hmm. and the beers there. Um, so I just kind of brought that back with me. And like Fuller's London Pride is like one of my favorite all-time beers. Um, so, so our best bitters modeled very much on that beer. So. That's awesome. That's like, actually, I super appreciate that because we have very little breweries running around here brewing British beers and really pretending like they like are even trying. So like, I think Stoop for a while had a handful of ESBs. They, you know, they're making that kind of, they were trying yeah. to do that. They had some stuff on Nitro, you know, that kind of thing. And then they kind of came and went. Yeah. And uh, or they, they, then they switched back over to IPAs. Like well, it's, it's, it's challenging because we also were brewing styles that people, most people haven't heard of. Right. So we did a, like an English dark mild. Yeah, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people just don't know what it is, and yeah. so so kind of the education part is kind of big for us too. Like yeah, we we really enjoy you know, teaching people about styles that maybe they've never heard of, like a, a Trappist single and Potter's beer. So. Yeah, mm. you can't call it Trappist though, because oh, sorry, <laughs> Abby Abby style. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Then we got on to chatting about the kind of guest taps you're allowed to have, talking a little bit about the rules for serving beer in Seattle. I just explored his cold room, which had a whole bunch of cider cans all stacked up, and so we got into a little conversation about that. We started talking a little bit about brewery licensing, which can maybe get a little bit business nerdy, but I don't know, I thought it was kind of interesting. But you can have up to 25% of your taps, or can be guest, either beer or cider. Okay. is there some kind of exception to that rule? Because I think tap rooms like um, doesn't Belltown Brewery have like fifty percent tap, like guest taps, like a so ton of guest taps. So they probably have a different liquor license. Yeah. Okay. They, I don't know if they have hard alcohol too. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you know, I bet they do. Yeah. yeah. So that's a different type of liquor license. Okay. So we're under a microbrewery license. Cool. So that okay. kind of limits what we can do. We can't have wine and mm-hmm. limits our guest taps. Okay. I. Uh, I think I heard something recently about like King County is trying to create a like a like a snack bar license that you can do that would allow you to serve some wine and some beer or something like that. I don't know what 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 kind of decision making went into picking the license you had. So obviously microbrewery sounds like the obvious choice, but there's lots of different types and you know. So I don't know what, how much research went into that. How do you, what do you know about that? Well, I mean the to get a license where you're serving wine and hard alcohol stuff it's it's a more expensive license right. and you got to manage all that stuff too mm-hmm. so it just wasn't i mean it'd be nice to have wine yeah uh, for the people that don't drink beer but yeah but you're not making not a big you're not making a bar you're making a yeah. brewery and so it's not about right. that okay yeah they're actually working on a, a legislative change right now to allow breweries to serve wine mm. like guest wine okay um, but, so in the same way that you've got guest ciders you can have a yeah. guest wine okay but, that has not gone through yet. Huh, that's a great idea. I never, I'd never really thought about it. Having a guest cider seems so natural to me. Yeah. And having a guest wine seems so, like, not the same vein. But, I mean, I don't know. Where's the meads at, you know? I don't know. <laughs>
Another thing I always think is really fun to hear about from brewers is their opinions on AB InBev. It's something that I know a lot of people in town are super passionate about, and lots of brewers have pretty strong opinions on it as well. So of course I have to go to this out of them with what will probably end up being a fairly recurring question. AB InBev, of course, being Budweiser. What about uh, AB InBev and stuff like that? I, I, these days, am on this like massive boycott of AB InBev. Every now and then I buy a beer, find out that AB InBev has also owns this brewery <laughs> somehow by, you know, by whatever miracle, and it makes yeah, me sad. So that's kind of the problem yeah. that I see. So, so I, I would start with saying that I encourage people to drink whatever beer they like. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna tell people what to drink yeah. or tell you judge the beer you drink. If you like Coors Light, drink Coors Light. Yeah. Um, but I would ask people to do two things. One would be try other things, mm-hmm. try other beers, other breweries, other styles, kind of just expand your awareness of what's out there. Mm. And then two, know know the background of the beer, like who made it. Yeah. Know where it comes from. And you know if you don't. If it's not a big deal for you, whether it's local or an independent or whether it's a multinational conglomerate, then, you know, that, that's up to you to make that decision. Yeah. But, but that's that's the, the big problem I have with some of these takeovers is the transparency is not there. Mm-hmm. So people can't make that informed decision. So, you know, the large brewery here in town that got bought out, if you go look at their labels... It doesn't say AB InBev on there anywhere. Yeah, of course. So that's that's kind of the rub to me. Um, so the, the, the Brewers Association came out with an independent mm-hmm. logo. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I have seen that, yeah. yeah but it starts showing up on labels, and it's on our, our Melt yeah. Stout label and on our growlers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a in reaction to that kind of lack of transparency. Mm-hmm. So if they're not going to put AB InBev on their bottles, then we're going to put independent on ours. Exactly. So people can distinguish between the two yeah got to fight back in sort of like a small way but totally counts yeah it's not i mean again it's not not fighting to me it's not as combative as it is you know just giving consumers the information yeah uh, to make whatever decision they want to make okay uh let's see so would you say that seattle is a pretty good place to open a brewery like as far as like oh, yeah. in terms of like legislation and you know the government getting in the way or helping yeah I, I don't i don't know if there's a better place yeah honestly yeah the, the the rules in the state of washington and seattle are very friendly to small mm-hmm. breweries okay so our, our ability to self-distribute and you know fill growlers to go and yeah. you know all these things that we take for granted um yeah. it's not allowed in a lot of states yeah so I um, I'm originally from Texas, and in Texas they they were very three tiered oriented, sure. and they did not like uh, they didn't like any like breweries. If you went to visit a brewery, you couldn't buy beer. You had to pay for a tour, and they were allowed to give you free beer, which I thought was pretty like it was great because I mean for five dollars a five dollar tour, I basically got to have as much beer as I could drink uh-huh. until I had to leave. Really great. They did eventually. They finally came around to it. So uh, now it's now all of a sudden breweries are blowing up in Texas, sure. and that's great. But for a while, um, there was like an exception, and you might have heard about this. Uh, there's an ex- exception on the in the law that said if like, the law generally was you're not allowed to serve beer at a facility you own if you're a brewery. Um, that's the three tier system for you know anyone listening to know that that really is. Um, but there was an exception that said if you had at your brewery a large aquatic mammal exhibit. Then you were allowed to sell whatever beer you brewed there, right? <laughs> and that law makes absolutely no sense until you realize that 
Budweiser owns SeaWorld. Uh, so for a while, they were, allowed, they were allowed to sell all the beer they wanted, yeah. even though they owned it there, which was just hilarious. That doesn't matter anymore, and Budweiser yeah. since has lost all of their theme parks, but uh, yeah. it was, or they've spun off their theme parks division, and none of that matters. But, uh, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, you go to Montana, they got like a cap on how many ounces you can yeah. serve people. And, yeah, that, you know. yeah, Alaska, 36 ounces, or like, you know, they, they sell you 12, 12 ounce beers and they can't pour more because that way they can count how many they give yeah. you. So, yeah, Seattle's way better. I actually didn't learn until I was talking to Craig over at Rooftop that the three-tier system, like that you're allowed to self-distribute here, which I didn't know was allowed. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's like probably the biggest because yeah. at, our, at our size, we just wouldn't be able to distribute. If we had to go through a distributor, yeah, because they take off so much margin yeah. um, that we just wouldn't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So. All right, well, that was awesome. Thanks you, thank you so much for the uh, interview and the tour. This was yeah. super great. It was great meeting you, Bob. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. All right. We'll, Come uh, back anytime. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about Figurehead Brewing, you can go to their website, figureheadbrewing.com. And if you want to hear more brewer interviews, then just go to cyclingcicerone.com, where I will be adding another one of these every week.